looking through Les Bleus opening 2-1 Group C win over Australia from earlier this afternoon. So, chaps, we'll dive right in. Um, unconvincing in a number of areas, Eric, but a win nonetheless. How did you see it? I, I think you've encapsulated it pretty well there. Yeah, France, I, I think that, you know, we've seen how this 4-3-3 can, um, can be successful for France, but I think that the personnel that Deschamps used uh, was poor, and we had some unexpectedly poor performances from from some certain players. I think Quentin Tolisso um, was is a shadow of his usual self today. That was certainly culpable. I think that Deschamps is looking for more from him going forward. He's certainly a more dynamic and attacking option than his competition in that spot, which would have been Blaise Matuidi. I think that lacking that uh, made the midfield a little bit too too stodgy. Uh, and I think that it served to have a, a lack of connection. I think the only things link we saw with midfield and attack were really balls over the top from Pogba. And it really robbed France of a lot of the dynamism we would have expected them to have, given just how attacking a lineup Deschamps put out uh, earlier today. Yeah, interesting. It was, I, the stodginess midfield really, really sort of got to me as well. I was, that sort of really stuck out. Do you, do you, are you on the same page here, Jez? Some credit to Australia though, no? Yeah, Australia definitely deserved credit. It was a great performance. But I mean, France started sort of the first, I think they had four shots on target, um, three of them sort of very easy saves, but still four shots on target in the first eight minutes. And it looked like they were going to overwhelm Australia. And then they just sort of allowed Australia not only to, to get a foothold in the game, but arguably to get, to get the upper hand. And I think, I mean, I think there's a few factors at play. France do have a, pretty poor record in opening matches, particularly in the World Cup, but arguably in the Euros as well. The only one that I can think of in recent memory that was an actual decent win was uh, Denmark in 2000, but that 2000 team, I think, bestrode all other French ones, even 98. And even the 98 one, which was a 3-0 win, was not a particularly convincing one. So I think the main thing is just to get the win out of the way. I think, you know, only nine of the squad been in a major tournament before so that that's quite a big difference or certainly we're in the only nine were in the last euros anyway i suppose uh Varan was in the in the previous world cup but so it's still a relatively green squad so certainly like for example with Tolisso, I, I agree that there was there was not enough link between midfield and attack certainly not enough quick transitions from defense to attack and i would pro i guess I'd be inclined to put the blame on Tolisso, but I don't want to use that word because I, I think maybe just the occasion got to him as it did to a couple of other players this year. I certainly wouldn't, I, I'd still stick with him because I still think he's a class act and better at that kind of thing than Matuidi is nowadays and certainly an all-round better player. Um, but that was certainly one of the issues and I think the other issue was, was the, just the attack in general. One day, France's defence and midfield and attack will all play well together and then they'll be frightening. It was <laughs> ironic that Ntiti's handball aside, it was actually a really good defensive performance for once. Yeah, absolutely. It, I think it would be good to focus in on that sort of defensive performance first of all because there are a lot of issues to arise from from that from the selection obviously Mendy and Sadibi were you know Mendy's obviously returning from injury and not 100% fit and he showed he sort of showed that sort of lack of fitness over the last few games and uh, Sadibi struggling with an injury as well but um, 
Eric, how, how did you see the, the sort of almost stand-in fullbacks in Hernandez and, and, and Pavard's performances? Because I felt that with France being so narrow in attack, that the, the, the width usually provided by Menin and Sidibe wasn't, wasn't really evident. And that kind of hamstrung France a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's, especially with, you know, each of those, that front three, you know, looking to cut inside and we're, we're used to more width from France. I think that is true. But at the same time, you're dealing with Cruz uh, and, oh, I'm sorry, the other winger for Australia. Um, anyway, you're dealing with two very pacey, <laughs> pacey wingers. Is it Lecky? Matthew Lecky? Yes, I'm sorry, yes. You're dealing with two very pacey wingers. So not only are these players a little bit more prosaic by nature, but I think that uh, perhaps a wariness of Australia playing on the counter through these wide players would have given them cause to sit back a little bit more and be and be a little bit more, if not negative, a little bit more cautious in their approach. And that that was really good. I mean, this is the thing that, you know, France, for, for all their talent and attack, there have been some question marks of, uh, in defense. I mean, certainly uh, Varane and MTT didn't have the most shining set of friendlies. Even, even going back to the March friendlies as well, uh, there were some issues in defense. Uh, people were suggesting MTT was tired after a long season. Uh, and I, I think that, I think that get, yes, again, penalty aside, um, I think that it was a really solid display, particularly from those, from those fullbacks. And then I think that that sense of gravity and, and solidity will give them a lot of confidence going forward. And that's something that they're going to need to call upon. I was mentioning uh, with, with Jeremy on air uh, before, sorry, before we came on air that uh, Peru looked really, really dangerous. This, that's not going to be an easy match for France. It's one I could see France losing, but to have that, again, not a clean sheet, but to have a really solid defensive performance in their pocket uh, for those young fullbacks, especially, I believe they're both 22, uh, I think is really going to provide a lot of encouragement um, for that back four as a unit and uh, for those fullbacks in particular. I think, yeah, I think it's a really interesting point because they were definitely defensively solid. Um, but, Des, do you think for, for this sort of game, I 100% see what Eric's, what Eric's saying, but we, we knew Australia would be compact and, and sit in, and they were very, very narrow and two banks before the classic, you know, defensive sort of unit. Should, should Deschamps, Deschamps be thinking a little bit more sort of proactively in this sort of situation? And, and he may not have had too much of an option in playing Pavard and, and Hernandez, but should Deschamps have, have sort of more solutions to breaking that, that sort of team down, given the way he set up? I, I mean, in, in terms of the fullbacks, I just think, firstly, you've got to treat pretty much any opponent you meet in the World Cup with respect. And Australia really aren't such a bad team. And secondly, the most crucial thing is, is not to not to lose your opening match. And you're, you're really struggling, um, particularly as on paper, it's the easiest match of the three. Um, I, I think that, I mean, I might be old fashioned, but for me, the, the number one job of the fullbacks should still be to defend and then any sort of attacking uh, support you get as a bonus. And um, irrespective of the injuries, I think Pava absolutely is a better defender than Sidibe and I think probably Hernandez is this better one than Mendy as well. The fact that I think they're both very good going forward generally is, is as I said, sort of a, a, more than a bonus, but a real help. I just think that I mean, my, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about the attack, but my, my worry about that, that three-man attack always is that particularly Mbappe and Dembele just do practically nothing ever to, to help the defence. And um, so I think that if you're playing those three in attack, even though you know, you're clearly setting your stall out to be an attacking team. You have to make sure that you've got some some sort of defensive cover there. Um, 
considering you're not going to get that from um, those, those, I was going to say those two wide players, I suppose on paper Griezmann's the, the wider, supposed to be the, the wide, the one on the wide right. But you're not, if you're not going to get enough defensive support from the attack when you lose the ball, then I think the crucial thing is to make sure that, that the, um, firstly, that the fullbacks are proper defenders and secondly, that, that they're not going to be too adventurous and get caught out of position. It's not the ideal. And I think, just generally, I think France were, were sort of torn. I think they set out this sort of excellent counter-attacking team, but in a match in which they were supposed to have all the possession. So it was kind of a little bit contradictory. And I think they just generally didn't know whether to sort of stick or twist. But um, in terms of the fullbacks, I, I mean, generally, I thought they had a really good game, Hernandez in particular. And I'm not going to put any sort of attacking um, deficiencies today on them because I don't think that should be their number one role. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really sort of relevant point. I think they, they were really solid defensively, and, and the keep seemed to agree, even in sort of five and six out of ten, which is relatively solid for very notoriously harsh markers. The keep, the front three, on the other hand, got <clears throat> got three out of ten each, which which perhaps is a little bit harsh and perhaps characteristically harsh of the keep. But I think picking up on something um, Jez said there, Eric, that you know it didn't look as though France knew whether to to stick or twist. Is that a fault of of of, of the coaching? Because it did feel like that this counter-attacking more start more more counter-attacking style of, of of selection, the fact that there's pace in Dembele and and Mbappe and Griezmann to some extent as well, would would suit a better side that are going to give them space. Was there not a case for Olivier Giroud to start, even though he might not be first choice going forward? You know, Dembele might play other games that are more suited to him. But is that the, is it the mistake of Deschamps that France looks so stodgy? Because they, they, they sort of, they kind of kind of played into Australia's hands a little bit. Well, again, yeah. I mean, Australia were playing narrow. They were playing compact. We could see those two banks of four, even five at times. And given that, if you if you have players who are trying to do something with the ball at their feet, trying to cut inside, as each of Griezmann, Mbappe, and Dembele like to play, I think that without someone to create hold-up play, whether it's Giroud or someone who's more of a natural winger, um, you know, that maybe could be Lamar at, at some point. Um, I know he's not been in the best of form for Monaco, and he's had certainly his issues, but I, I think having a lack of genuine width in that team, you know, where Kingsley come on to have had a better season, you know, that could have been an option as well. I think it was a, a rather baffling uh, selection. I think that I know that they can do individual things differently, but I think that the similarities among Griezmann, uh, Mbappe and Dembele for me made it too difficult to try and establish a sort of rapport and a sort of rhythm. And also Dembele, and if we're looking at him as a player who, you know, given his injury history in the, in, over the past 18 months or so, hasn't had as much experience with, with the, this French side as you might have liked. I mean, that position might have been taken up um, by Lamar in the recent past or, or by Giroud with, with uh, Mbappe playing wide. Uh, and I think that to ask these players to play sort of slightly unfamiliar roles in a match of this magnitude, when you know that Australia are going to be deep, they're going to be compact, they're going to be negative, I think is very problematic for, for for Deschamps. I think that he should have opted for more familiarity and started Giroud um, and and used Griezmann and Mbappe wide and left Dembele on the bench as someone who could have affected the game as a substitute. Because if you look, really, I think that it's it was troubling to me looking at the substitution pattern that with a match still level, his option was to bring on Blaise Matuidi 
I mean, that's, I don't think I need to say more about that, but not to have gen more genuine attacking options that he felt he could trust in reserve, I think also was a mistake on, on, on Deschamps', Deschamps part to lead to, I mean, he had Tovan, he had Lamar on the bench as well, but so I, I think that, yeah, starting Giroud and, and, and use and having Griezmann and Mbappe play more is, again, they're never going to be orthodox wingers, but play in a more natural wide setting would have made France more effective in this particular setting. No, I was going to say, I back up a, a, a lot of that. I just, I think, I wonder if Deschamps did sort of bow to public pressure to go with, to go with a, a sort of quicker, smaller, speedier attack. But if he did that, I think, I know like people are going to start thinking that I've got something against Dembele. I really don't. I think mean, he's a fantastic, exciting player. But I don't think a front three suits him. I, I, mm. I know he's sort of starting to adapt to that for Barcelona. But to me, at this, this stage of his career and the kind of player he is, I still think that he's best and less of a liability as an out-and-out -out winger. And um, I'd probably use him as a in a be more likely to use him in a in a four four two with um, you know maybe Giroud and, and Griezmann together in, in in the middle. If I was going to play three up front, I really I'd, I'd have gone for the Nout of Fekir behind. Uh, I'm happy with Mbappe and Griezmann. I think they're probably undroppable and fair enough. However bad Griezmann in particular was today. Um, although I think I heard that he got, I think I read that he got the official man in the match award, which is ridiculous. But um, <laughs> having done that, that's but, bizarre. But, I mean, the uh, penalty was well taken, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. Um, you know, against sort of a, what you sort of think of as a kind of standard rugged defensive big back four that you kind of associate with Australia. I get that you can go either way. Either you have someone like Giroud, who's sort of, this, you know, the, the sort of big bulky forwards who can really sort of mix it up with them, or you go for the the sort of smaller, speedy versions. <laughs> um, Didier Rousseau described it as, you know, to, to combat a forest, you need to have little trolls. <laughs> but he meant it in a complimentary way. So I understand that. I just think that the the personnel that he picked. A little bit, the personnel that he picked wasn't the right personnel. Also, just, I mean, bottom line is Griezmann and Mbappe just didn't have good games. There's an element of that as well. There's only certain, a certain amount. I know a lot of people really like to kick Deschamps, but um, there's only a certain amount he can do. And when your best players and the two players that no one disputes should be in the team um, just don't turn up, then, you know, there's only so much that, that Deschamps can do once the players cross the line. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a sort of a point that's often forgotten. You know, he, once once they have crossed that line, there's little little that he can do to affect their direct performance. So, so just thinking about what we've already discussed, chaps, how how do we line up against against Peru in the in the second game on, on Thursday? Do we do we stick with this this sort of narrow four three three sort of diamondish false nine hybrid, or or do we do we does Deschamps you know? switch does he does he go with a little bit more a little more sort of like in the qualifying when we had the, the 442 a little bit more familiar even if it means restricting Mbappe a little bit does, do you think do you think Eric that he'll he'll stick or twist I, I I think that I think we should look at a 433 with Dembele being dropped um I can see a case for a diamond but I think that that could 
pose problems because you'd have you would probably be more likely to drop Taliso for Matuidi were that were that to be the case. I think that De, that Deschamps would have seen the match today between Peru and Denmark and be a little bit more wary about how aggressive this Peru side is and perhaps want a little bit more uh, defensive work rate in midfield, um, which could see France being a little bit negative. So that, that's what I would do. 4-3-3 uh, with Giroud and for Dembele. Uh, have him be that physical center of play and allow Griezmann and Mbappe to have a bit more freedom in their roles, but also knowing the solidity that you have with Pavard and Hernandez, that their defensive work work rates aren't going to necessarily detract from uh, what we have. And Peru do have pretty attacking fullbacks. Uh, so I, I think a 4-4-2 diamond uh, would leave France a little bit too exposed if they were to play that narrowly. Would you would you agree there, Jez? Would you how would you like go for the, the Peru game? I genuinely can't decide. I just think every formation has got pros and cons. A lot of it. I just I think a lot of the, the media sort of having a go at Deschamps for being stuck in his ways, then having a go at him for being too reactionary. But I think that a lot of the media is being too reactionary as well. You know, Giroud has one bad game immediately should be dropped. Um, you know, today didn't work out. Um, immediately he needs to change the system, bring Giroud back. Um, a similar thing, I think Giroud's aggressivity will, will, will help um, against um, a good defence. But at the same time, it's, it's not just what, what he gives going forward. And by the way, you know, especially today, as let's let's stop with the Giroud isn't technically good enough to, to play with those other two strikers. You know, it was he set up the winner with with an, a, a nice touch, which he often shows. Um, but I think he also will help. He's not the quickest, but he will help press. He will always work hard and, and be the sort of first line of defence when, when France lose the ball. Um, in terms of the midfield, yeah, I, I don't know. If I, I'd, I'd be happy with a 4-3-3, but I'd be happy with a 4-4-2 with Diamond as well. I'd just, I'd just like... Um, I'd like to. I just hope Tolisso sort of now this match is over, he'll he'll relax and play the way that he did in the friendlies because I think he can give more both defensively um, and in the attack. And yeah, for me, definitely no Dembele. I, I just I think he could be. I think it's a double win because I just I think he can be a bit too much of a liability. I think he lost he lost the ball fourteen times today. That's that's just far too many at this level. I think. Um, so I think he could be a liability, but at the same time, he can be frightening as a substitute. And Peru, I thought, they looked fantastic today. And I mean, fantastic as a neutral going forward, so a bit unlucky to lose. But um, certainly, they, at times, they looked so open um, that I think Dembele could really cause havoc coming on late to, to, to have a run at them. Um, but I, I wouldn't start with him. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with Lamar on a, on a wing. I'd, until today, I thought Mbappe probably should be down the middle and Griezmann's um, adaptable enough to play on the right. Now, I think probably it does need to be the other way around. I think, although it might take a little bit away from Mbappe, um, I think Griezmann is, is, is better on, on, in the middle and Mbappe can still play well um, on slightly on one side. So I, I would change it up by removing Dembele and either putting him off on, on the other wing, or I know I've said it already and I've been fishing for it a bit recently, but I, again, I think he did well when he came on today. I, I like the idea of Fekir behind Mbappe and Griezmann. 
Yeah, I um, think that. Oh, sorry, Jeremy. Go ahead. No, 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 that was it. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I think that Fakir, you know, if you don't have Giroud in the pitch, I think that his he has a, also a degree of physical solidity. He doesn't necessarily offer hold-up play, but he can retain the ball uh, yeah. and link play a lot better than any of those other players can. I mean, they're all fantastic on their day, but they're not they're not as suited to uh, to taking kicks in, as we see Fakir do week in and week out in Liga. I just, yeah. I mean, he... When, when he came on, he had a few runs. They didn't all work out, but I just I thought at least there was someone trying. He just mm-hmm. he looked more comfortable immediately than any of the front three did for the, the previous 60, 70 minutes, whatever it was. I don't know if that's just because he's full of confidence at the moment or he certainly, I think he's more comfortable with the ball at his feet. The others are, well, it's not like Griezmann's more comfortable with the flicks, but if, if you're having one of those days where it's just not working out, then the flicks just none of them come off and it looks awful. And Mbappe and Dembele can can dribble with it, but um, Dembele I think is just a bit wild, and Mbappe I think if he's coming back to dribble, then you're you're sort of taking away his his more potent weapons further forward. So I think having Fekir back and you don't know if he's going to dribble with it, you don't know if he's going to slip a ball through, which I think they could have done with against a solid defence today. Um, I just think that gives a, a slightly different a different angle and a different thing for, for teams to think about. Yeah, I think I would have to have to be on board with, with the Fakir opinion in that I, I quite like the idea of Fakir starting behind Griezmann and, and Mbappe. I just, the only thing is, I, I think it's the type of formation that perhaps given the, the personnel and the Champs should have been trying and implementing a year ago and not in the three friendlies building up to the World Cup, having played either in a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2 for pretty much the entirety of the time since the Euros. And although I, I you know, I, I think that gets the best out of a lot of France's players, especially if they do want to go a bit gung-ho and uh, maybe in contradiction to what we've already talked about with, with Pavard and and, um, and Hernandez and, and go with the sort of the Monaco sort of set up a little bit with the fullbacks, you know, buy into that and say, you know, we've got so many attacking players, we've got so much speed that we're, go, we're going to attack and we might, we might, you know, it'll be a little bit open, but we're going to, you know, we're going to score more than you effectively. Uh, it, so it'd be really interesting to, to see that sort of play out, but I just don't think they've had enough time to, to sort of work out how that, that formation works for this team. And they haven't got any time to sort of build that cohesion. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that given that there wasn't really, because it's been this sort of very narrow sort of three at the front and Griezmann's kind of been dropping back and Fakir played at the tip of a diamond in one of the friendlies. It just felt like that was such a sort of rash sort of decision to switch to it so late. And and I, I would have liked them to do that. I would think it's a good idea, but Deschamps done it far too late for me and he kind of has to stick to his guns and play with the formation that at a setup that these players know as a group and I'm not sure that they're accustomed to playing the way that he's got them playing now which was partly the issue with being so stodgy I think Australia were good as well but it was partly the issue this afternoon it'd be interesting to see and I, I think both of you guys make some really interesting points about how he might switch up the, the, the formations but uh, a really good point was made to me today, actually, and it'd be really interesting to get your, your thoughts on it, that um, over the course of the sort of Deschamps' career, could you could you really pinpoint his philosophy? Is he a manager that you say, yes, Deschamps plays this way. This is what Deschamps is trying to do. This is These are Deschamps' ideals. I know what he wants his teams to play like. I know what Deschamps' team plays like. Uh, are France suffering from the fact that Deschamps doesn't really have a clear direction? Eric, I'll start with you. 
Yeah, I, I think that he's most associated with 4-3-3, clearly. But then you look at his greatest success, the Euros of two years ago, and he achieved that playing at 4-4-2. I, I think that he's someone who, I don't know whether it's lacking confidence or that he's, as we rightly mentioned, too easily swayed by the media uh, or the, the itinerant form of players from match to match, from season to season. But yeah, I think that that lack of identity means that players have confusion about their roles. And I think we talk about Taliso again, I think we can all agree he's a fantastic player, but I think that perhaps there was some confusion for him. Uh, is he being more of a sentry? And is, is he supposed to aid more of Conte, aid Conte more, or is he supposed to facilitate the attack more uh, in concert with, and perhaps even playing ahead of Paul Pogba? I think that there was some confusion about his his role today, and I think that you know that, in addition to this being his first um, experience of this of this level with France, you know, perhaps unduly negatively influenced him. I think that this sort of Lack of consistency from Deschamps not only serves to, if not unsettle the players, uh, give them a, a way of unfamiliarity that, I mean, let's face it, you know, playing international football versus playing club football means there's already uh, an artificially low level of familiarity in the way that these players relate to each other. But continuing to change systems, continuing to ask these players to play in slightly different roles means that's going to be uh, exponentially more difficult for these players to necessarily reach the heights that we see from them on club form. And I think that we saw that with Taliso today, and perhaps we could lay, again, some some of the blame uh, for the performances of Mbappe and Griezmann for that today, and that they were playing, again, yet another role, not necessarily wholly unfamiliar, but certainly one in which they perhaps hadn't had the time to establish a rapport, dialogue, understanding of space and movement. Um, Dembele as well, that that would cause that attack, despite the the manifest talent within it, to suffer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's definitely a really sort of interesting point. I I very much agree with that. Just a lack of identity is that something something France are, are, are in need of an identity, a clear identity. Um, I just, I'm really torn on this. I mean, it's come up a lot, and I'm just I can't decide. I mean, people say, "Oh, you know how Germany are going to play. You know how Spain are going to play. You know how Brazil are going to play." First of all, I'm not 100% sure that's true of Germany. Brazil will play gung ho, and it will often catch up with them. Spain, you know how they're going to play, but that's because they've got a ridiculously gifted set of very small, skillful attacking midfielders. So they kind of have that decision made for them, I think. Um, I don't, I don't mind. First of all, in terms of it, of Deschamps, he's you know he he's a defensive midfielder, and by nature he's a he's a more defensive um, coach. And I think, in a way, maybe he's sort of done a disservice by the fact that he's coaching this France team because their strength is in attack rather than in defence. But at the same time, he was, he wants to make sure that they're a, a defensively solid team, and you know any any successful team is. Not any successful team, I'm sorry, but most successful teams are built on a on a strong defence. So I do understand where he's coming from and sort of airing towards that side. And I I really don't mind his his tactical flexibility, which I think it worked very well at the Euros and has worked well at times since. I do. It's literally only in the sort of the the recent friendly matches and and today that I felt a little bit like it was sort of chopping and changing from one match to the other. And 
they should have everyone should know what the plan A is, and then you can adapt to a plan B according to to the opposition or how a match is going. Um, so I agree to a point, but especially because it's a young, relatively inexperienced team, so they'll probably, you know, whether it's the, their favoured formation or not, at least if they know going into each match, that's that's what they're going to be playing. It might give them one more certainty to sort of grasp onto as, as they're sort of playing their first World Cup or whatever. But at the, at the same time, I, I don't, I feel like it's not just his thing. You know, there, there's Griezmann and Mbappe. So Mbappe, you know, he's, not, he's barely had a career yet and he's already been shifted all over the place and has shown that he can play in all of them in all the different positions, Griezmann, I think, as well. So um, I think that there's, I don't know if fault's the right words, but um, there's ways to look at it on, on both sides. And I do understand why people were kind of saying, you know, just what is your favoured formation? But at the same time, when he's kind of stuck with one formation for two, three matches and and... and the last one ends in a in a poor result. Suddenly, everyone's saying, "Well, you know, he's he hasn't got a clue tactically, and he always does the four three three, and you know, he's never willing to change it." So, I think sometimes people would be one eyed just for the sake of having a go at him. So that, that's why I t and he captained the France World Cup winning team. So that's why I tend to forgive him almost everything. I know I do it a little bit too much, but I do think he gets a little bit too much stick as well. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, sorry, I can't. Oh, I was going to say, you know, thinking back, actually, the match in which Fakir got hurt, actually, they were set to play a 4-3-1-2 in that match. So, I mean, yeah, I take your, I take your point that he is perhaps more flexible than people give him credit for. But, again, the, the experimenting with the diamond in the recent friendly, I, I just, there needs to be a level of consistency and focus heading into a major tournament that France have a genuine chance of winning, provided things fall their way. And I, and that to me is is frustrating at this at this point in time to see that that sense of uncertainty. It's not a September friendly, you know, nine months from major tournament. It's 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 building on the set of players who are at you know Griezmann, Pogba, who have a level of experience but are still in the prime of their careers. And to capitalize on this opportunity, and to see that being undone by a sense of uncertainty in terms of players' roles. Is, is to me frustrating to see, um, despite his he does despite Deschamps having you know obviously a manifest ability in certain other other areas. Yeah, I think frustration is is definitely a, a, a common sort of feeling. But I, I think that we've we've talked a lot about sort of slightly sort of not negative points, but sort of think points to sort of consider. It'd be really good to to touch on the positives as well because. You know they have won the game. Um, it's you know they don't technically or well, traditionally, sorry, don't start particularly too well. You know haven't won too many groups in in recent tournaments. So I I think we should sort of pick out some positives here. I think you know uh, Loris was very good when called upon. Kante was fantastic. Um, so some positives, uh, Jez, from from you. Do you, do you do you see them as as silver linings or things to work on? Yeah, as I said, I think the defence looked more solid than it has for ages. And I mean. Penalty aside, because that was handed on a plate to Australia, I think you know we conceded pretty much from memory one one shot. Even that actually came off to me, so and you know it was a fantastic save from Loris, which was great to see after his recent um, uh, slightly wayward form. Um, so so that was great. 
Kante, I think, was was very good. Although I, um, I've heard a couple of people say that he's a little bit wasted as the as the sort of defensive shield, and the way that he kind of stepped up and and kind of started the move for for what led to the penalty, um, made me think that a little bit more, and, and possibly something that Eric touched on. Maybe another thing to look at would be Tolisso as the shield. And, and giving Kante a little bit more freedom for something to think about. I think Pogba, um, I mean, it's the first time that I can remember for years of Pogba having two consecutive good games. Um, I thought he looked good and you know had a part in both, well, obviously scored or if you might call it a known goal, but effectively he scored the second goal and he put the pass through to Griezmann for the for the penalty. So big parts of playing both goals. And I just thought he, he played a lot more. I just think he plays his best when he's playing simply. And I think he did that today. And it might frustrate him, but I think he's better at that than anyone else in the world. So I think they're positives. And Giroud, <laughs> in a way, he might have not done himself a favour. I think in the Giroud or Dembele debate, I always thought Giroud's better starting and Dembele coming on as a sub, despite Giroud's very good stats as a sub for Arsenal. But the way he came on today and turned the match might be a bit strong, but gave Australia a different thing to think about and set up the winning goal. Um, he's shown that, you know, despite being dropped, which by all accounts he was he was pretty disappointed with, you know, he's still mentally right and able to bring something um to the game even as a sub so that's another positive um and i guess bottom line is we won the game we move on and you know now those players who hadn't played a world cup match before have but we still got three points to show for it it we could be in, in a much worse situation so overall some some things to worry about and it was not a good performance at all but weirdly i'd still say more positives than negatives any positives for you, Eric, to, to build on what Jez said? I think the Kante, the Kante thing is, is certainly interesting. I, I think that, again, you know, if we... Okay, Tolisso has played as a, as a sole holding midfielder at times with Leon. It did not go well. Uh, again, this was 2015-16, I think. Uh, Ganelon was suspended for a handful of matches or injured. I, I can't... Or maybe dropped. But Tolisso, that's... That, somewhat scares me the thought of him as a as a holding midfielder but that being said if what we're looking for is uh, a more complex approach and attack that today a lot of what France relied upon with that front three was balls over the top Griezmann wasn't quite getting to them it was a little frustrating but if you can have more 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 play linked on the ground and I think that Conte would be better used further forward to facilitate that, um, particularly if you did end up uh, having he and Fakir on the pitch at the same time. Uh, and I, I think that that's certainly a positive for me. I also want to mention again, you know, these these young fullbacks, a young defensive line too. I, I, th I think Varane's 25 and Titi's 24. I mean, you know, we're looking at a, a very, very young defense. And, you know, again, Titi's handball, yes, frustrating. but playing a very composed uh, a composed match and and Larice again you know I know you know this is a player that we've been watching for you know close to a decade now since he came through 
at Nice and since he blossomed at, at Lyon. And I, I think that, again, you know, he's, there's always been some slight questions about him, but, you know, on his day, he can be an incredible reflex keeper. And I think he proved that particularly with that save uh, from the own goal in the first half. And I think it's really good to see him uh, deliver a performance like that when it counts. And I think that, you know, I think you mentioned there's some discussion on the FFW pod, Rich, or, or, uh, with you and Rich, uh, Jez, talking about how Ariola might even be the best option at this point. And the fact that that was even debated and made me, made me have food for thought was, you know, was just an indication of how badly Luis seemed to be struggling. So to see him as the captain rebound from a rather rickety set of friendlies to deliver a really strong performance, I think can, could be a really, really good boost for France, especially if they can take that sort of confidence into, into the knockout rounds where they're going to need it against, um, you know, a, f- a fellow contenders. Indeed. Um, top stuff. One thing before we finish, chaps, is VAR, the, the penalty decision. How, how, do we see, how do we see it? Do we think penalty? Because I, I, I was a little bit bemused by the, by the debate, Jez, in, in watching the British coverage. I kind of felt that it was the right decision in the end. What, what do you think? For the, for, the, for the penalty, for the first penalty, for, for Greece's penalty. I think it was the right decision. But if it had gone against France, I think I'd have been fuming. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I, I'll be completely honest. I don't know the exact rules. I don't know if it's supposed to be, you know, if there's you know, sort of thing like rugby or cricket where it's got to be absolutely clear cut in order to, to reverse the, the referee's original decision. To me, it wasn't 100% clear cut. Um, I think I'm not sure. I I I, I want to say it was definitely a penalty, but I'm slightly uncomfortable with saying that. And I'm just thinking if the shoe had been on the other foot, I, I think I'd have been pretty angry. Um, but the, you know, the fact that there's any doubt at all shows that it's you know it's certainly not the worst decision in the world. Eric, would you would you agree? Yeah, I think the use of, of VAR we it was used again in. Uh, in the match that just finished the, the um, Denmark Peru match. And it seems like the officials have a good handle on it and they're, and they're using it uh, to the benefit of the game and decisions are taking 30, 45 seconds. So definitely yeah. the way, the way it works, I think was excellent. No issues yeah. with that at all. And that's, I mean, that's what we want. That's, that's what the doubts are. If it allows that, that level of accuracy. Um, and again, you know, as you both say, not necessarily a stonewall penalty, but certainly more than enough there to, as you rightly say, just to say, you know, <laughs> were that not called, I would be irate. So yeah, I, I think, you know, again, job done for VAR so far in this tournament. That may change in a higher pressure situation in the knockout rounds, but I think that these officials, you know, I think they, I think they have the, the these officials are, who haven't worked with this the system, this technology before this, um, have acquitted themselves really well so far in what I've seen in this tournament. And anything that annoys Mark Lawrence is good to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's literally anything, though, isn't it, that annoys Mark Lawrence? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Brilliant <laughs> stuff. I, I, I have to, just to, just to round off, I, I have to say I agree with Eric there about the VAR. It's actually been surprisingly sort of um, under the radar a little bit. It hasn't been dominating. It hasn't been long decisions. There hasn't been any bizarre decisions. I felt for the, the French penalty that, Given that I'm not sure a defender got the ball, and even if he did, Griezmann was still in con- in control of the ball, 
And as he sort of went past, the ball wasn't running out of play necessarily. You think Griezmann's going to get there. He doesn't go down before he's touched and then his back heel is clipped and, and he falls. It, it, to me, it looked like a, a, a penalty, but uh, interesting to debate it nonetheless. So, I think um, to me he, it was just on, a, a thing he did. I think he did get a touch, just a yeah. touch on the ball. And actually, for me, the crucial thing maybe was I, I thought that the, the ball had run away from Griezmann. But there mm. you go. The fact that we disagree with that shows that there's enough doubt that it's not an unreasonable decision at all to give it. Yeah, it's interesting how the VAR doesn't really solve many debates. It sort of just gives an extra layer that, that we can discuss over whether the, over the minutiae of things are right or things are wrong. It's still shades of grey. Um, brilliant. OK, yeah. thank you very much. So, sorry, Jez, carry on. No, I was just agreeing with you. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Well, what a good way to end. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so keep an eye out um, for further podcasts from GFFN on the World Cup uh, as France progress. Uh, remember to check out uh, at GFFN on Twitter for all the latest news for uh, over the, the French as a French progress in the World Cup and some fantastic insight on summer transfer window and all the latest goings on in French football, as well as, of course, get getfootballnewsfrance.com for opinion pieces and, and uh, the more of me and Eric and Jez and, and the rest of the GFFN team. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much to Eric uh, and Jez and uh, enjoy the, the Croatian-Nigeria game and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs>